Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, episode 221. We are a proud member of Sports Drink Network. It's September 28th, 2021, and I'm coming to you here from the Houston Outpost. This is Nick. Papa Tom is not able to join again today. We're sorry about uh, some of the on and off appearances he's making. We're trying to figure out our in-season schedule right now, having to go back to weekday schedules. Additionally, this podcast is coming a little bit late because of uh, that schedule. We've both been flying, been in and out of town, so on and so forth. But also, I recorded the podcast last night in about 20 minutes into the podcast, Satan's Nighthawk screeched into my ears. The loudest, most static-filled noise I've heard in my life essentially felt like a katana being jammed into both of my eardrums simultaneously while the sword was lit on fire. Basically, all that means is the computer crapped itself and died in the middle of the podcast. And this was late. This was already like a 10 p.m. recording. So I took that as a sign from the gods. Hey, this isn't the podcast. Let's regroup. Let's do this tomorrow. And I'm really glad that it's working out this way. Because I think a lot of my thoughts since the Steelers' embarrassing loss to the Bengals, 24 to 10, I think they've, they're like 1 and 3 against the Bengals recently now. Since that loss, a lot of my thoughts have crystallized. This is going to be a different type of podcast. This is going to be a podcast from a space eagle. We got all kinds of mythical birds going on in this podcast. The space eagle who hovers around at the top of the Earth's atmosphere, bored half in space, half in Earth. He can see all. He is looking at the big picture. And he has whispered sweet nothings into my ear. And I want to relay some of those about my thoughts about the Pittsburgh Steers in general. And where they're at today. Because honestly, there's not a massive need to analyze what happened in that Steelers loss. It's the same game we've watched for 12 games in a row. I think I'm a little bit more interested in the broad story of what's going on here. So I'm going to talk about that in today's podcast. But before I do that, let me tell you about where you can talk about some things. That's Spotify Greenroom. Spotify Greenroom is a live, audio-only sports talk platform that is free to download and easy to use. You can talk to fans, athletes, and insiders in real time, and perhaps you can have a post-game breakdown about uh, the Steelers' uh, loss to the Bengals with other people who are like-minded to you. And by post-game breakdown, I mean full emotional and psychotic breakdown. There can be people who could support you on there, but be careful. They might might get after you. You know how it goes with sports. It comes with the territory. All you got to do, 
is download the Spotify Green Room app for free in the iOS App Store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. Okay. Let's start the podcast here. The story begins December 23rd, 2018. That, I believe, is when this podcast started brewing in my head. That, to me, was the day the Steelers' window closed in the glorious, triumphant Ben Roethlisberger era, the modern era, Mike Tomlin, Ben Roethlisberger, Mike Tomlin not done yet. That's not a Freudian slip there. (laughs) He's not done yet. Ben is done. We'll talk about that more as the podcast goes on. But on December 23rd, 2018, the Steelers played the New Orleans Saints in the Superdome. And they played one of the best games that I've seen the Steelers play in that stretch of years. This is right at the end of the Killer Bees era. So this is the year when Le'Veon Bell sat out the entire season. The prior year was the most heartbreaking Steelers loss of my lifetime in a list of many. And that's the 2017 divisional playoff loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars where the Steelers finally had all of the killer bees healthy. I mean, Antonio Brown playing on a sprained ankle, but still went for like 140 and two touchdowns on AJ Bouye and, and Jalen Ramsey saying, okay, this guy is playing injured and he's still the best receiver we've seen maybe ever. Well, let's screw him now. That was the big game where everybody said, okay, Shazier is out. That was the team at full strength. They've lost. We all kind of know the window might be closing here. So Le'Veon doesn't play in 2018, and the Steelers are very up and down. Long story short, they're going to have to beat a bunch of the top-seeded teams at the end of the year just to get into the playoffs. The Patriots, who are basically at full strength at that time, uh, they did beat the Patriots. The Chargers, who were a top-two seed, they got screwed against the Chargers with some seriously shocking referee calls, a free 50-yard touchdown on a false start that wasn't called, so on and so forth. And then this game against the New Orleans Saints, which ended up being Antonio Brown's last game. He went for 160, another two or three three touchdowns, I believe. Ben was off the charts. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster was very good, but fumbled at the very end of the game, kind of gave the game away. But really, the bigger story was, once again, some ridiculous pass interference calls that bailed the Saints out of two fourth down plays that were great defensive plays by the Steelers, by Joe Hayden both times. So that, to me, is when the Steelers' window truly closed. Because at that time, they were outplaying the top three or four teams in the entire NFL, the Patriots, the Saints, and the Chargers. So that 2018 team wasn't as good as the 2017 team, but neither was the 2005 team in comparison, the 2005 team who won the Super Bowl, in comparison to the 2004 team who won 15-1. and Right, So there was a chance there, and to me, that's when the window closed. After that, A.B. went crazy. The team fell apart. Ben Roethlisberger gets hurt in the second game of the next season, misses the entire year. You have to watch Duck and Rudolph. Surprisingly, the team builds the defense during that time, and Ben comes back last year. They think, okay, we're going to take a last gasp effort at this. They start off 11-0. and the whole country is calling them the worst 11-0 team in history. And that may be true, but they're still in an 11-0 team. They're really good. Then they have to play three games in 12 days because of COVID madness. And they absolutely fall apart 
They, their offense becomes worse than anything we've ever seen in the history of the Steelers since the 50s when they were a stock. okay? And they have not gotten an ounce better since then. They had an, a whole offseason to get better. They're worse now. So to me, I guess I'm telling this story because it's over. It is not too early to press the panic button. This isn't three bad games at the beginning of the season. This is like 12 consecutive bad games. This is the same horrific offensive line we saw for the second half last year. This is the same, oh my goodness, Ben Roethlisberger doesn't look like a professional quarterback anymore that we've seen since last year. The GOAT, greatest athlete in the history of the world. But hey, all good things come to an end. This is the same uninspired play calling that has no rhythm that we saw last year from Feetner to Canada. Yeah, some of that might be on Ben and Tomlin, but you can't deny that. I mean, it's, it's not going great. Not that there's anything you can really do when Najee Harris, the running back, I think he has 12 yards before contact this season, uh, over 40 carries, three games, 12 total yards before contact. He is getting swallowed up the second he touches the ball. And this isn't a surprise to anybody. We said this in the off season, the offensive line is going to be a massive gamble. Right, You're not just going to draft a first-round running back and have the run game work because the guy's going to get swallowed up behind the line of scrimmage the second he touches the ball. We saw the New York Giants take Saquon Barkley with the third or fourth pick in the NFL draft. Everybody said the same thing. Hey, you got to take a quarterback. You don't have an offensive line. The guy isn't going to have a chance to succeed. And it's been true. He's made highlight plays. Saquon Barkley's looked amazing, even with the injuries. But overall, he's not able to make that big of an impact on the game because nobody's blocking for him. And the same thing goes for Najee Harris, who arguably had his breakout game in this third game. This really looked like, I mean, nobody could tackle the guy one-on-one, right? So that's where we're at right now. This is not some knee-jerk reaction. This is the offensive line is inexperienced and bad. Now they're injured with Chooks for going out and... I almost want to say Marquise Pouncey, number 53, Kendrick Green, going out as well. There's not a lot of reason to be totally optimistic. And I know that I've said on past podcasts, the offensive line is young, so they can improve. There is a reason to be optimistic there. Clearly, it's not going to improve that much. I mean, it has been terrible, and now these injuries are going to derail the progress of some of these young players. We just have to hope that some of these guys flash before the end of the season and then if they do we can get back to the conversation about how the sky might be falling on this era but it's not fall it's not falling for the pittsburgh steelers entire future they have extreme young talent great young talent and there is a chance they could build into the future there might be an Aaron Rodgers and a Russell Wilson available for yes, uh, next year. Even like a Kirk Cousins. I don't know. Depends on what you can do with the, with the offensive line. But long story short, the sky isn't permanently falling. But it's fallen for this team. And really, ever since that Saints game in 2018 where they got knocked out of the playoffs, it has been over. Everything since then has been Pittsburgh heroically, yet rashly, pushing all of their chips into the center of the table to keep the window open. Now, I think there have been some opinions in the years since that game by the national media, by fans, saying that the Steelers 
were stupid for not starting the rebuild earlier, but I would contend they didn't really have a lot of flexibility to be able to do that. Even re-signing Ben this year, he took a pay cut. They actually potentially saved money by re-signing him on this pay cut instead of having to pay him out, you know, in a forced retirement or something like that. That that way, I think it was Neil Kulong or someone had said today that this is actually, he thinks on Twitter that this is a, a two-year rebuild. And they're accepting like, hey, you're not going to get anything better than Ben right now. This actually might save you some money. And so, and there's, there's something to be said about that. Maybe you could have gotten Stafford. I don't know. Seems like the the Rams are down to throw 7,000 draft picks at every pick, so they might have been intent on getting him. We'll never know about that situation. Would Stafford be able to survive behind this line and play calling? Mm, I don't know. I don't know if anyone besides like a Deshaun Watson could, but re-signing Ben, that wasn't really delaying it. It's just kind of they are where they are. They're up to the ceiling and the salary cap. That is what it is. How about trading for Minka Fitzpatrick? Everybody's taking a victory lap on that because Minka Fitzpatrick is on a damn Hall of Fame trajectory already with his time in Pittsburgh. But a lot of people said, including Ryan Clark, doubled down on this yesterday or two days ago on ESPN. They shouldn't have taken Minka Fitzpatrick. They should have used that year to trade up for a quarterback. But who were the quarterbacks in that draft? It was uh, Kyler Murray, number one. Okay, so you're not going to get him unless you... I mean, there's no way you're going to be able to trade up when the Cardinals wanted him. And then who are the next two quarterbacks? Daniel Jones. Do you want that? No. And, oh yeah, Dwayne Haskins. They already have him. And by the way, don't want that either. So you could get a generational all-pro free safety for an insanely cheap cost or get one of those guys who you already have. So that opportunity wasn't really there. I think that the Steelers have tried their best to just work with what they have And the only other solution would be something absolutely extreme. Like we're going to trade TJ Watt and and Cam Hayward and all the best players. And we're just going to try and get a quarterback. And then we're going to be the New York Jets or Jacksonville with Lawrence and Wilson right now. Okay, we got the great quarterback. The rest of the team is so bad that there's a legitimate chance that these guys might not even have good careers because the coaches could be fired in a year or two. All I'm trying to say is that you get that amazing quarterback. It doesn't. I mean, it depends on what you have to pay for him, right? It may not work out. So that's just where the Steelers are at. This is the natural progression. They've got a lot of awesome players that they've drafted and retained. They've went out and picked up a couple guys, and they have a really well-rounded team. But it just hasn't been good enough to make up for the offensive line failures. The last move that they made was drafting Najee Harris, a first-round running back, instead of the lineman. Everybody said, You got to draft a lineman in the first round. Running back can't run behind a bad offensive line. And the longer the time has gone by, you just, you look at it and you're like, who were they supposed to take? I mean, Christian Derisaw got picked one pick before them. And then after that, there really weren't any first round tackles available. Now, there were some linemen who were taken soon after the Steelers pick in the second round. You had Landon Dickerson, the center, who we talked about at length, the guy with like three ACL tears. I mean, that's a risk. That's a massive risk. We can't act like that. That's an easy pick. Tevin Jenkins, he's out for the season for the Bears. Who knows, you know, if he'd be worth that pick or not. Liam Eichenberg. A lot of guys, Walker Little, a lot of guys who had second round type grades on them. So is it smart to just say, hey, I know this guy's a second rounder, but 
the need is so great at offensive tackle or any offensive line position, we'll, we'll, we're down to overdraft this guy. And I don't know, because all I can say is the only two times the Steelers have truly overdrafted in this past era, maybe three times, are Artie Burns, who was an absolute bust. They drafted for need. Jarvis Jones, complete bust. They drafted for need. We need an outside rusher. They drafted Bud Dupree and, and TJ Watt right in the same era. They were so desperate to get an edge rusher at that time. And then Terrell Edmonds, who's actually playing well right now. But nobody's going to argue that that guy's a first-round pick. So do you want to end up with that? Or do you want to end up with the what looks to be a star running back for five years? And yes, it, it will be done after five years. We're seeing that kind of everywhere. So I don't know if there was a, a, exactly a ton of flexibility for them to be able to make a move. What do you say? Oh, are they going to try and get Tom Brady? You think they'd be able to get Tom Brady? Would he be able to play behind this line? There's no way. Tom Brady is awesome right now. He's tearing it up, but he has maybe the best line in the entire league in Tampa Bay. And we know that, you know, you can only do so much. And and obviously the Steelers weren't going to pick up a Tom Brady. So I guess I'm trying to say is that I don't even know who we should be mad at or not mad at. I think the Steelers have worked with what they've had and this is where they've arrived and it's over. So let's talk about Ben real quick. The end isn't nigh. The end has arrived for my guy. I have been preparing for this for a while. He gets dragged through the dirt so much. There is part of me that will be relieved when he's retired because this is my favorite athlete of all time. You know, obviously ton of off-field problems in the beginning of his career, but it seems like he's matured. Not that he's like a saint or anything like that, but he has matured into just kind of a a dad, average man, every man, family guy later in his career. But he takes so much criticism and it's just, you know, the second he does anything wrong, the entire world is just jamming it down his throat. And then he could play the best games you've ever seen against the best defenses like the Legion of Boom and the No Fly Zone and nobody says a peep about it. So there is a slight relief when like, oh man, you don't have to hear that about your the quarterback of your favorite team after this. But here it is. He looks scared. He looks legitimately scared in the pocket. Like a guy who's in his first year of football. I'm a junior in high school. Like I'm a really good athlete. I'm a I'm the point guard on the basketball team. I, I can really move. I can throw the ball. Let me get in there and play football. See what it's oh oh Jesus, these guys are big. That's what it seems like, man. He looks very uncomfortable. He has the pocket presence is way off. When he tries to escape the pocket, it seems like he's trying to mix the way he used to play, which is completely by feel. I'm going to sit in there and I'm going to move around, but his feet don't move as fast as they used to. So when he's like, let me get out of the pocket. Oh, this guy's coming behind me. Let me reverse field. Well, your feet aren't moving the way that they used to. So you're not able to do, your, your mind is thinking of doing things that your body's incapable of doing. I mean, he has a Jameis Winston interception every week. The pick he threw this week, four feet in front of him, right into the linebacker's chest, into quadruple coverage. It's insane. Last week, the deep throw to where Deontay, yeah, he might have broken off the route, but the fact is still, he threw it deep just to the Raiders. I mean, there's one of those every week. He's missing wide open touchdowns. They could have won the Cincinnati game, despite half of the defense being out by injuries, despite the top two wide receivers, Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster, missing the game due to injuries. 
he had James Washington wide open for a 90-yard touchdown down by like 14 in the fourth quarter. The guy's got five steps on his guy, and he overthrows him by four steps. He also over, he throws he throws the ball to the wrong side when Chase Claypool absolutely cooks his man on a fake corner post route. Fake corner, he goes to the post in the end zone. Ben throws like he's going to go to the corner, but there's no middle safety in the middle of the field. So you can't say, oh, did they read that wrong? Chase Claypool read it perfectly right. There's nobody in the middle of the field. You can just throw it in there. Just like last week when I got upset that Chase Claypool didn't sky up to make the jump ball catch in the end zone, which I would think a great receiver like him or someone who wants to be great could do. But also the fact is he's running a go. There's no defensive player in the middle of the field. Ben, in his prime or in any era, any year except for the last two years, he's hitting that throw. Just throw it inside anywhere and just let Chase Claypool catch it. Every week he's missing on those. Obviously, Ben has no touch on short passes. That's not his game. Ben is one of the 10 or 15 best quarterbacks in the history of the game because he sits in the pocket and throws the ball intermediate and deep better than almost anybody in the history of the game. He's not a short pass guy. He's never learned that. He's never had the offensive coaching to learn that. The Steelers have never surrounded him with that. Todd Haley did a better job of uh, moving him from the Bruce Arians mindset into a more of a field general mindset, but they've never had the West Coasty dink and dunk or Sean Payton New England Patriots offense. That is not working. You know, he throws to Najee Harris. He looks uncomfortable, like throwing these little screens to the side. He throws at 100 miles per hour at Najee. It's like take some take something off of it. He's just losing his mind out there. We've all seen the middle of the field passing charts from next gen stats. It is astounding. I've never seen anything like it. And it's two weeks in a row, and I'm sure you could find the same chart from the past 10 games where you see a spray chart of throws behind the line of scrimmage, of which he had 13 throws behind the line of scrimmage this past game, and you'll see them four up the left sideline, kind of usually to nobody, and they'll commit, they'll, they'll complete one of them. And then the entire middle of the field, it's not a Bermuda Triangle, it's a Bermuda Rhombus, a Bermuda Square of desert, okay? No throws into the middle of the field. I'm sorry, I know that a good offensive coordinator, especially in the Canada sort of mindset, could design some throws to the middle of the field, but the fact that it's absolutely zero just tells you that that has to be more from the quarterback, and that's his just his discomfort. And then the last thing I'll say with Ben is that he's going to get someone murdered. Najee Harris is going to last one year in the league if he keeps throwing him the ball one foot past the line of scrimmage when the entire defense knows it's going to happen. Najee, at least eight times, if not 12 during this game, catches the ball in the flat. The first defender comes at him. And like the first round running back Najee is, he makes the first defender miss. Whether he jukes him or usually he kind of shakes him off. But by the time he has done that, it has slowed him down a little bit so that the other three defenders who know that the ball is going short are already running at Najee and they are teeing off of him. And he's such a beast, he tries to break those tackles too. But it kind of leads to these situations where one guy is holding and twisting his legs and the other guy is smashing him up at the top of his body. I mean, obviously, he got Juju knocked out of the game with the hospital ball. Chase Claypool took an 
absolutely astonishing hit on the left sideline with an incredibly inaccurate ball and an out throw. It's done. This is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, incredibly underrated. People have always reduced his career to, oh, he's strong and he shakes off tacklers. I don't know what you've been watching the past 10 years, but this is a pocket-passing genius who makes big play after big play, unstoppable when he's hot. Yeah, runs way more hot and cold than, he's way more Brett Favre than Tom Brady, you know, it can be hot and cold, but the guy's the man, and it's just, it's just not there anymore. So he's not the only reason why the Steelers are bad, though. The offensive line is the worst offensive line I've ever seen in my entire life. Does anybody disagree with that? Anybody who's seen the Steelers play, it is abysmal. Let me repeat the stat we said from earlier. Najee Harris, the first-round running back for the Steelers, has over 40 carries in three games. And he, he has 12 yards before contact. 12 yards. How the hell is that possible? There was that Bishop Sycamore game when they played against IGM, IBM, I whatever. I am a super-powered high school football team. And then you found out these are just a bunch of average 34-year-olds who are getting the crap kicked out of them by Division I athletes. That's what the Steelers' offensive line is right now. They suck. But even if the offensive line and the coordinator weren't so bad, I know the jury's still out on Matt Canada, but look, it wasn't good last year and it wasn't good this year. Can't say he's good. If those things weren't so bad, I'm not even sure if Ben would be okay to play quarterback for the Steelers right now. A lot of people are suggesting that, but to me, if you had a really good offensive line and run game and coordinator, all you're saying is that, oh, if the Pittsburgh Steelers have the best team in the NFL, then Ben could play quarterback. Because at that point, you'd if the defense was healthy, you'd have basically the number one defense in the NFL and then a great offensive line with really good skill position players. I know Deontay and Claypool and those guys, they're not consistent, but they are very talented. So at that point, I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, Mason Rudolph could play quarterback there too. Even Dwayne Haskins, you know, that's not really Ben at that point. That's just saying the team is so unbelievable that you can play quarterback back there. So I guess that's where it's at with Ben. And that's why it's weird being three games into the season thinking that, hey, it's over. But let's smile at the good times because we've sort of been getting ready for this ever since the injury occurred and then last year when the writing was on the wall. It sucks because he's going to take all the blame for this like he always has, and it's not his fault entirely. But, of course, he's a big part of it. And I do think you know if they had a Deshaun Watson or a Patrick Mahomes, we're talking nuclear explosive quarterbacks, they'd be better. But I don't know how much you can overcome an offensive line this bad and a coordinator who's you know, completely unproven. So the offensive line looks like garbage. They can't do anything. The run game is somehow worse than it was last year. And then obviously on the defensive side, they're so injured. We can't grade them at all. You say, oh, the Steelers are letting people run on them. The Steelers aren't letting people run on them. The Steelers backups are letting people run on them. No NFL team is going to lose both starting edge rushers, two interior star defensive linemen, and just be fine. That's, that's ins- You lost your whole defensive line besides Cam Hayward, and he's great, but there's a lot of other places to run besides Cam Hayward. So it's not even worth analyzing the defense to me. And it just looks like 
if the defense were healthy and the offense was middle of the pack, it's the number one defense in the league or number, you know, top three at worst. But that's just of no consequence at this point to me. The offense also, just back to the offensive line for a second, what do they have, 10 penalties? I mean, Najee had multiple carries over 10 yards. Every single one of them gets called back because of a holding penalty. I mean, it is brutal. So I'm going to get into some positivity here in in a second, but the last thing I'll say is this is a weird season to be watching because we are only three games in, and the fans of the Steelers, the fans of other teams, the pundits, and the Steelers players themselves know that the sky is falling. For anybody who hasn't heard, former University of Pittsburgh wide receiver Tyler Boyd, who had a good game for the Cincinnati Bengals this week against the Steelers, he said after the game, the Steelers quit. We watched them quit. Did you guys see the last three plays of the game? Drop, drop, drop. Two by Najee Harris and one by Chase Claypool. Those were embarrassing. Those were a low point as a Steelers fan. Now, luckily for me, in my mindset, it didn't affect me that much because I think that the Bengals game at the end of last year and the Bills game at the end of last year, that's when it really dawned on me that there's no way this is going to get a lot better. And try to have some optimism in the preseason, and I don't want to walk back anything I've said. I still believe, hey, there is way too much talent on defense for them to be bad, and I feel like we were vindicated a little bit in that Buffalo Bills home opener which showed, hey, there's just too much talent on defense for the Steelers to be horrible. But now they've lost all those players. So we are just left with, okay, what can the quarterback in the line do? And it's nothing, right? But the Steelers gave up. Their will was broken. Najee dropped two passes with nobody around him, the ball right in his chest, one yard past the line of scrimmage. And Chase Claypool, who is good for two drops a game, he dropped a slant. Five yards past the line of scrimmage with nobody on him. And Ben is putting his head up in the air after the throws. The body language is awful. So the only thing I'm worried about for this season is that I don't want the locker room to fracture. You hope that people like Chase and Najee can be true professionals in terms of if I were them, I would be stressed out. You know, I know that I can be a star in this league. And uh, I'm not saying that, you know, Chase Claypool is without his issues. We've documented those well. I mean, he doesn't love to catch the ball or track the ball, but can't deny he's a beast. We're hoping he turns into the Hall of Fame type receiver. He looks like at, at times, but, you know, Najee and, and Deontay and, and, and Claypool, their careers are going to get held back this year. And you got to be a professional and be okay with not getting great numbers. You got to be a team guy and not get overly frustrated. But that's going to be really difficult when Ben is getting them laid out and the offensive line is is partially causing Ben to get them laid out. So the injuries are piling up for these receivers already. They're getting teed off on. And there are 14 more games. So that's the only thing I'm worried about. The Steelers seemed to sense what we all sensed during that game. And that's what I'm going to be keeping my eye out for. Traditionally, the Mike Tomlin Steelers have been awesome about fighting back for pride in these situations. I always think of 2014 or whatever it was, Le'Veon Bell's rookie year, where the Steelers started out 0-4, culminating in the the fourth loss, I think, was uh, Le'Veon's debut in the fourth game of the season against the Minnesota Vikings in England. 
Also, those four games happened to be Antonio Brown's breakout, where he went from a really good receiver into Antonio Brown. And then later, they clawed back to go 8-8 eight and eight that year. And Ryan Suckup, then playing for the Chiefs, I believe, or the Titans Chiefs, missed the game-winning field goal in a different game that actually would have sent the Steelers to the playoffs. It was like a 30-yard field goal, and he missed it. So they clawed all the way back that season. I hope that they can claw back for some pride this year as well because I think that's going to be necessary to set up the next era of the Steelers. Look, here's what we have to watch out for. Number one, somebody has to become good on the line, whether it's Moore or Green or Dotson, who's the most confusing player ever. He's played terrible in these three games. It's, it's, I have no idea what's going on there. Somebody on the line has to be good because you can't get five new linemen. You can't whiff on everybody. It does not look like Chuksakorafor is going to be that guy. Zach Banner hasn't been able to stay on the field. You just need one or two guys to be good on that line because obviously you're going offensive line in the first and second round next year unless some quarterback shows himself. I know there's some, you know, it's not a great quarterback here. It seems like every time the Steelers are in range for a quarterback, you're in between these crazy deep draft classes, but we'll see what happens. They just need somebody to come alive on the offensive line so they can draft another player and maybe pick up another guy in free agency and build this offensive line. Because otherwise, you have some really nice cornerstones on defense. You have Minka Fitzpatrick and TJ Watt, megastar players. Devin Bush, yeah, he's not Ryan Shazier, but he's a good player. You have Highsmith, even regardless of what happens with Melvin Ingram, you still got him. You got Cam Sutton as a young corner. Maybe James Pierre. You, you have a lot of things to work with. And, of course, we've detailed the receivers and the running back. Now Pat Fryermuth as you know a really high-performing tight end in his first few games. He's looked pretty good. There's a lot to work with. And I know there's a lot of people who dislike Mike Tomlin out there. I say the same thing I always say. Give me the example of the non-Belichick coach who's, who's doing better than Tomlin. I mean, they're not, it's just circumstantial. Every team gets a two to three year window where they have an awesome team. You know, you get to the championships. What do you think about the Packers and the Saints, right? Do, does Sean Payton suck because they haven't been able to win the big game? No, it's tricky. You either get what the Rams had, where they just had an obscene number of great players in one time, what the Patriots have, where they have an absolute all star team, or <laughs> the Buccaneers, excuse me. That's hard to forget. Um, and then the Patriots are just, oh, well, you're, that's the best team in the history of professional sports in a, in a league that's designed to make sure you can't make all-star teams, which they never really had in New England. That, that's just, they're the best ever, right? So nobody's even getting remotely close to that. With Tomlin, I think we're lucky that we, we have a guy who hopefully Colbert sticks around. They've been identifying phenomenal talent. These have been some nice drafts. I mean, look, the three, this, the first four rounds of rookies are starting for the Steelers right now and a seventh rounder. And, you know, you look at what Highsmith's doing, Claypool. Th- these draft classes are looking nice. Okay, there's not a lot of teams who are having that type of success in the draft. And then on top of that, Tomlin has found a way to relate to the new generation of players. And I know it's frustrating with the TikTok and and all that stuff. It it is. It's goofy. But that's an advantage for the Steelers. And then there is the fact that they still have the Roonies. And the Steelers, it was rough in the 80s. Hopefully we're not looking at another post-Terry Bradshaw period here. But even then, they weren't garbage. And in the 90s, they went to the Super Bowl again. And by the 2000s, they've been top tier, top five team at, you know, top five teams since 2000. 
constantly, right? So it's not pie in the sky to think the Steelers could be back pretty quickly. Who knows if they could manage to get some offensive linemen and lure a Rodgers or a Russell Wilson next year. And you might this thing might even get back on track way quicker than we thought it would. But either way, this is a long soliloquy from me here. Thank you guys for listening. Either way, it's still the Pittsburgh Steelers, guys. So it's been rough so far. I'm going to be watching the games. Papa Tom's going to be watching the games. It's the Steelmen. There's a ton of stuff to look forward to in the future. I just don't know if that future is this week at Lambeau Field. I'm sure they'll surprise us a couple times this game or this year. And maybe some of these massive failures actually spur the Steelers into making more drastic decisions. And even though it's not a great quarterback crop this year, the ability to get a great quarterback now is a hundred times easier than it was when they struggled in between Terry Bradshaw and Ben. I mean, what are there, like five or six quarterbacks right now who are starting who you aren't that thrilled with? Everybody's got a nice rookie. I mean, look what we saw with Derek Carr the other week. We don't even talk about Derek Carr. We're thinking about Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers and Brady still tearing it up and Kyler Murray and these young guys. Like, we look at Carr like, oh, he's great. Back in the day, that type of middle of the pack or above the middle of the pack guy wasn't necessarily a game changer. There's game changers all over the place. So we'll talk about Ben Moore this season. Goat, greatest athlete to ever do anything in the history of mankind. No questions asked. Steelman, it's going to be a struggle this year, I think. If they prove me wrong, I will gladly come on here and give a maybe a shorter soliloquy. But thanks for tuning in to the Steelers Outpost podcast. This is Nick. Checking in from the Houston Outpost. Papa Tom will be back shortly. Follow us on Twitter, at Steelers Outpost. We'll see you out there. Go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. VR training platforms, like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International, are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. 
inspiring kid confidence. 